sorry. That's fine. That was a good practice. Okay. Hey guys, it's Malu. And I'm Alex. And we're the hosts of the Here at Duke podcast. Check out our latest episode, What We Talk About When We Talk About Death, on the Here at Duke website. That's H-E-A-R at duke.org. Thanks. It's Wednesday, March 22nd, and it's 11.30 a.m. I'm already a little late. I run into Rubenstein looking for Rubenstein 200. I walk upstairs and rush back and forth looking at the labels on every door. Nothing. I go back downstairs and then upstairs again. Nothing. I get a text from my friend. Are you coming? Yes, I'm on my way. Wait, where is it? Shoot, I'm at the other Rubenstein. Ugh, why are there two places called the same thing? A couple of months later, I find out the news. The wonderful new arts building, which I've been anxiously waiting for, is going to be called the Rubenstein Arts Center. Because having two Rubensteins wasn't confusing enough. Hi, I'm Camila Vargas, and this is Curting, a show where we examine those things that usually go unnoticed, but that are constantly shaping our experience. Kerning is a space to think about design at Duke. Stay with me, and maybe by the end of the show, I may have changed, albeit in the tiniest bit, the way you think about your world. Today's episode is about naming. The naming of buildings at Duke. Names are a fascinating thing. We all have names, we all use names every day. Our parents named us, we name our things, we name our dogs, we name our guitars. I certainly name my moped. It's Roxanne, in case you're wondering. But names are also a complicated thing. When I started this episode, I was frustrated and I wanted to understand why Duke would make such poor choices when naming its buildings. I had one thing in mind, the basic user experience principle of consistency. Don't name two things that do different things the same way. So I started compiling a list. Well first, you already know about the Rubenstein. We have the Rubenstein Hall, the Rubenstein Rare Book and Manuscript Library, and the Rubenstein Arts Center. We have the Kroll Hall, which is sometimes called the Kroll Building, and the Kroll Quad. We have Flowers Drive and the Flowers Building, which is not on Flowers Drive. Then, conveniently located next to each other are the SoSci and the SoSci Buildings, the Social Sciences Building, and the Sociology Psychology Building. Yes, it's Sociology Psychology, not Social Psychology. There's also the John Hope Franklin Center and the John Hope Franklin Humanities Institute, which used to be hosted in the John Hope Franklin Center, but it is no longer there. We have at least seven Amadea family rooms, the Amadea family lecture hall and Smith, the conference hall and the Franklin Center, the commons and the library, the conference room and West Duke, the grand hall, the gallery and the auditorium, all in Gross Hall. There's the Vonderheiden Hall in the library, where some of us spend a lot of our time. And now there's going to be a Vonderheiden Studio Theater inside the Rubenstein Arts Center. (laughs) 
While putting together this list, I also realized we have the opposite problem. We have multiple names for the same space. Von der Heiden Hall, also called Vondi, it's also called the Perg, and it's also called Saladelia. The Broadhead Center is still called West Union by a lot of people. Even first-year students weren't here before it was renamed. Others have abbreviated it BC, Broadhead Center, but it's next to the Bryan Center, which is the original BC. Pitchforks was renamed Cafe Edens, but people still call it Pitchforks. Gross Chem was renamed Gross Hall, and CMS is actually called the Fitzpatrick Center. My list may or may not be comprehensive, but I hope I'm getting my point across. Duke is not very good at naming its buildings. At least, it's not very original when it does so. The whole point of proper names is that they facilitate communication. When I say Rubinstein, the idea is that your mental image matches the place I'm thinking about. But as students, we hear stories about people getting lost all the time, not only as first years, but way into their Duke career. This made me wonder, how do other areas of the university deal with this? So I went to the person that constantly deals with these buildings throughout their history, someone who has to refer to them on a daily basis as part of his job. Paul Manning, I'm director of project management, which means that I'm responsible for the design, procurement, and construction of all of the capital projects for Duke University. Before it's called the Rubin Center. I meant the Rubenstein Arts Center. <clears throat> um, how do you refer to it? How do you refer to things when you're mm -hmm. building That's plans? That's good. The arts building. The example I have in front of me at the moment is the new engineering building. It's just started construction at the end of Research Drive and Telcom. That's a 150,000 square foot, $112 million project that doesn't have a donor yet. So it's called the engineering building, but someday it will be called something else. Uh, Penn Pavilion, uh, we were just about ready to open that building and it was still called the Events Pavilion. That was the name of that building. In fact, I think we had the sign made when Bob Penn walked the job with me, Bob and his wife. He said, there's no name on this building. I said, well, no donor. And then the uh, next thing I know, Bob Penn donated money and it's now called the Penn Pavilion. Well, with Penn Pavilion, just like with West Union, they changed the labels, the mats, and all visible signs of the previous name. But I was wondering what impact would changing the name have internally. For facilities, it's a department. I mean, every document we produce, whether it's a contract with an architect, an engineer, or a contractor, refers to whatever the original designation was that we gave it, West Campus Union. So then all of the designers, architects, engineers, they all produce their documents. It's West Campus Union. And the contractor that we hire then hires 40 to 50 other contractors who work for him and they all their contracts read West Campus Union. My follow-up question was, do they change all those documents? I mean, if it happens early, we early enough, we change all the documents to say that particular name. If, if it doesn't, if it's at the back end of and construction's just about done, we don't we don't change anything. And and that's difficult. I mean, I, I said it earlier. I said CMAS. Well, it's not the CMAS building. That's its function, uh, but its name is Fitzpatrick. 
And that's because when it was under design and construction, it was a seamless building. That kind of stuck with a lot of us. Uh, so it, it, when you go back and you look in the archives of past projects, you'll see you have to know the, the various names that building went by uh, over, over time to make sure you're looking in the right file. So I went to someone who's in charge of keeping track of all the things that are meaningful to our campus, including the history of our buildings. Okay, my name is Valerie Gillespie. I'm the university archivist here at Duke. I've been here for six years. My job is to collect and share the history of Duke University from its very early days as a one-room schoolhouse up to the present. It is challenging. We have uh, buildings like Cameron and Wade Stadiums. They didn't start out with those names. So Cameron wasn't named Cameron till the 70s. And I believe Wade was named Wade around the same time. So for a long time, they were the Duke Football Stadium and the Duke Basketball Stadium. And so we have records for things before and after they had those names. And we usually try to sort of bring them together under a single name, but in our description of those refer to alternate names. So, you know, this was also known as X or Y. So with something like ACOC, um, we have folders that say ACOC. That's now the East Residence Hall. So trying to, to list those different ones, it can be very challenging to figure out um, how things have changed over time. I, we don't have any specials, like tips or tricks on how to do it other than just noting it when we come across it. And um, we have a collection of sort of reference files on buildings and we try to say, you know, this includes these building names or, you know, if you're looking for dope shops, you should look in the union um, folder. Um, it really just depends on whether it's documented anywhere. So there, there is a formal process um, in which the Board of Trustees can bestow a name on something, and that gets recorded in their minutes. And that's the most formal sort of permanent way to name something. Um, we rely on things like the Chronicle and other publications on campus to sort of clue us into some of these things. And we have a long run of the Chronicle digitized, so we do look to that sometimes to see if there was a, a particular way people were referring to things. So it's all about context. Context can help disambiguate when the same building has been called different things or it has had different functions throughout history. It can also help when the same name refers to multiple things. According to one theory in the philosophy of language, there is only one name, Rubinstein, but context somehow helps determine which Rubinstein is the referent of any particular use of the name. Another theory proposes that there are a number of names, Rubinstein, each of which is written and pronounced in the same manner. Here again, context, the speaker's mental states, and the speaker's intentions help disambiguate.
But this is not necessarily practical, and practicality is exactly what got me started in this question. So why can't we come up with better names? As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, when I started this quest, I was thinking about user experience. But as I learned more, I had to accept that names are not just uses referenced. Names are symbols. They have meaning. More about this in the following episode. This is a Here at Duke original podcast produced by me, Camila Vargas. You can find this and many other student-produced podcasts at hereatduke.org. That is H-E-A-R at duke.org. The music for this podcast was provided by Pottington Bear. This song is a student production by Apartment X. You can find them on Spotify and follow them on Instagram. Special thanks to Paul Manning and Valerie Gillespie. Glory, read about me in your magazine. Fish go belly up, it's not what it seems. It's glory, it's glory. like the languages building that used to be the law school and you can tell that still because over the door there's a carving of a barrister's wig and scales on it Um, it's now the languages building though so when someone refers to the law school building in earlier records we have to think about you know what was a time period which law school building were they in if we're talking about the sort of facility itself so It changes as buildings change function, as they change name. Things are always kind of shifting around in one way or another.